informative podcast all about training working dogs look no further than the lwdg pod dog this weekly show is hosted by me joanne parrot founder of the ladies working dog group and i chat to experienced trainers and experts in the field who will give you helpful tips and advice whether you're just getting started or you've been working dogs for years this podcast will have something for you so pull up a chair pour yourself a cup of coffee and tune in to lwdg pod dog and let us help you build a better bond with your best friend. Hello and welcome to another episode of LWDG Poddog. This week we are going to be speaking to new LWDG mindset coach Emily Dell to share with you some powerful tips on how to change your mindset and improve your life. So first let me introduce Emma. Emma how are you today? I'm feeling good today Jo, I'm quite excited to be here. I am super excited to have you with us because we've already got um, Lou, who's a fantastic mindset coach. And I think the mindset is one of the biggest things, apart from skills, that hold our women back with their dogs. It's Once they've got the skills or they understand the skills, the next thing they hit is, I don't think I can do it, or whatever sort of self-confidence issues they're going through. So we're going to start our first podcast on why mindset matters. Why do you think mindset matters? I mean, I think for me, mindset is absolutely critical because if we look, if we go right back to what the definition of what a mindset is, is it's actually the lens in how we view our world. So, and, and one of the things that we sometimes forget is that everyone views their world through their own lens. So not everyone thinks the same way. And we often have that assumption that we all do. So when you think about it, so mindset, the basic concept of a mindset is it's just a group of beliefs that you have about an area of your life or yourself. Um, And they can differ from how you feel about yourself um, at work, at home, as a parent, when you're out training your dog. So it's not a fixed lens. It, it, It can vary depending on what you feel you're doing. And those assumptions that you make will impact on everything really so it will impact on how you think about yourself and the world around you how you respond to positive or more tricky situations in your life how you act around other people in different situations the boundaries you set and most importantly i think what's what's most critical for for everyone in the lwgg myself included how we bounce back from challenges when they when they impact on us in our life and we do face a lot of challenges because you know, my dad used to always say to me, two minds working as one, and the one in control is the idiot. And I used to laugh at that, but he is quite right. The the human in the in the equation tends to have a lot of things going on in their own mind that does reflect on the work they do, doesn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. And I think again, another really interesting point, and what a lot of us a lot of us think about, and we get told a lot of that at the moment when we talk about mindset and it is psychology is getting more prevalent in, in the things that we're reading is, is actually 30, sorry, 70% of our thoughts that we have are negative. That's our, that's our standard way of thinking about the world around us. Um, and that's, that's actually really important. I know 70% sounds like quite a terrifyingly high number of thoughts, but it is really important that we're programmed to think like that because it comes from a place of safety. So we have to have that element of thinking for us to feel safe. But what happens 
is actually the way our brain thinks kind of going into a new bit of neurobiology which i think is so critical when we think about ourselves is our brain anything that we feel it sees as a fact so what i tell myself every day my brain will start believing and that can become sometimes very very tricky when we know we've already 70 percent negative thinking if we're adding on additional things into that kind of mindset category, it can be so, so hard. So the way that I would describe it is it's almost like think about it as a diet. Think about, you know, we we often think about our diet, about, about what we consume um, when we think about food. So is the food that I am eating healthy for me or is it nutritionally not that great for me? It's the same with our thoughts. If we thought about our thoughts as a diet, how would we really describe that diet because actually what we think is what we end up believing about ourselves and if i think about it like we tend to be our own worst enemies don't we so where we've got this sort of 70 percent of negative thoughts a lot of those thoughts they are there in one way to keep us safe but they also in another way don't serve us whatsoever because they make us feel dreadful about ourselves Absolutely. And then the, the other thing on top of that is that when we have a belief about ourselves, we want to prove it right, which sounds very bizarre when some of the thoughts we have about ourselves might not be very nice. They might be that we don't feel capable or we don't feel good enough. Um, and so what we have is we, we almost look for that kind of confirmation bias. And we often hear about that when someone says, you know, oh, let's say, for example, I was looking to buy a new car. And then before I knew it, I saw that car everywhere. And it feels like everyone's driving that car. Yeah, because you've got that confirmation bias, you're looking for that specific make or model of car. And we have the same for our thoughts. So we often can discount the positive or disqualify the good things we're doing. Um, and what we do is we start fixating on the things that maybe didn't go our way. And I think that's really, really critical with dog training in, in total, because when we come back from doing a session with our dogs, it's really easy for us to think about the three things that our dog maybe didn't do so well. And either thinking about the dog or what we did to potentially for the dog to not understand what we were asking of it. Um, and then to discount almost the whole session of being a failure or not very good or us not being good as a dog trainer. And then what we are believing by ourselves tends to, I think sometimes if I've got that feeling that, oh, this session isn't going to go good, literally that session doesn't go good. What I set out believing at the beginning of the session is pretty much how that session will go absolutely absolutely and part of that might be the confirmation bias and part of it might be that 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 negative thinking is in, is subconsciously impacting our behavior around our dogs so when we think about it and we go right back um we used to have a belief that things were fixed in our brain by the age of about seven or eight that kind of the stability of our world and how we viewed ourselves was fixed by that point. And that was very, that was very popular kind of 20, 30 years ago in psychology. Um, and so there was this idea that unless you had the right um, kind of climate growing up, that was it. And we know now, luckily, due to kind of neuroscience, that we have plasticity in our brains. We call it neuroplasticity, where we can learn and grow. So it throws that concept out of the window. So it means that actually, even if we have had that mindset for a period of time, which might have felt almost embedded in us, we can change it. So it goes back to that old principle of neurons that fire together, wire together. So if I keep thinking, 
I don't know, I am not very good at my job or I am not very good at training my dog, that if you think about it like a highway, or I often describe it to people as laying down a thread in a rope. Now, once I've laid down 50, 60,000 threads, that's a very, very strong rope that I'm going to have to break. But actually, if I start changing my mindset to thinking that actually, do you know what? I can learn and I can grow from whatever I do with my dog. That lays down a new, new kind of strand in a rope in a different direction. And so actually we can rewire our brain and we can change our mindset. So one of the things that I say to people is you can't control your life. I can't control all of the external factors. And I can't even to some degree control what side of the crate my dog wants to get out of in the morning. But what I can do is control my mindset about that and how I view it, which will help me in the longer term. So when we're talking about our mindset and this concept or, you know, is our, our mindset fixed or can we have a growth mindset? What is the difference there for, for people to understand how they can change their thinking? Absolutely. So a fixed mindset is where we often have a belief that intelligence is set and that can sometimes get bred into us through schooling of that, depending on how well we did academically, depending on what set we were put in for certain things even potentially by our parents or people around us saying that actually our intelligence gets fixed at a certain level and that I am therefore only capable of doing these things. Um, it's also the concept of whether we believe we're clever or not. It's quite an interesting one about do and clever is such an abstract term. You know, for example, someone might be very academically clever, but practically not clever at all um, and vice versa. So again, clever, we, we need to kind of discount from an educational system what clever means. Um, also people with a fixed mindset generally are very fearful of failure about what that means. And so as a result of that, they are much, much more unlikely to put themselves forward to trying new things. And whether that is trying a new hobby or interest or putting themselves further in their career or actually trying, maybe trying something different with their dog, it could be anything. And they often go in with the expectation that they're going to fail at it, that actually they're going to fail. And that's going to confirm my belief that I am either not clever or I'm not able to do, do the task that's ahead of me. And that's kind of quite a difficult mindset. If you think about if you had that mindset and you, you go about your daily business with that, that can be really, really hard when, when actually potentially we still want to try new things and we want to grow as a person. I think a lot of our ladies almost have a slightly fixed mindset when it comes to training dogs because they are so fearful of getting it wrong they literally start the process thinking i am going to poop this up so they literally don't allow themselves to to step away from that concept which makes the whole learning process so much harder doesn't it I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. And, you know, I think probably the best example and that I always use is myself. You know, when I took on my first my first um, dog that I wanted to train up as a gun dog and I'm still very much a novice in that area, I was so scared of getting it wrong. And so I almost overcompensated by reading so many books and listening to so many podcasts and wanting to see every single trainer under the sun and even to the point, and I don't mind admitting this, where I had a spreadsheet of progress for my dog um, and at some point I had to let go of, of, and I think planning is really, really key. And I am, I think that's a great way of measuring progress and changes in mindset, but I am not a robot and my dog is not a robot and, and he will absolutely mess it up. And that might be his mindset. That might be my mindset. 
that might be a concept of both because actually he's a novice i'm a novice and therefore i will get it wrong and as soon as we let go of that fear of failure and maybe reframe it as an opportunity for learning actually after that 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 kind of that concern or that worry dissipates and also a lot of it is around how we feel other people perceive us which is why a place like the lwdg is so so key where we can absolutely almost promote our failures because we know someone's going to come back and go yeah my dog did the same last week and there is no judgment and there is no fear around that because certainly i certainly know the first time i took my dog to a class or the first time i met a trainer i was really daunted i was really daunted it felt like a test it felt like an exam about right you show me how far you've come with your dog and i'm sitting there thinking i have no idea what i'm doing i'm just going to give it the best i can so absolutely that fixed mindset can really hold us back I know when I've been to some trainers who are fabulous trainers and I've just looked at them and they've asked that question, let me see what your dog can do it. And I've wanted to curl up in a ball because I'm like, please don't look at my dog because A, dog's ability is a reflection of my ability to train it. But B, I know this dog could be so much more than what you're seeing right now. I just don't know how to get there. And I think there is that, that fear because we're working with another living being that it's just not something we're going to manage. We don't have a growth mindset when it comes to learning about training a dog, do we? No, it's so, so hard. And I think part of it, if we look at it from kind of almost a society perspective, you know, we are a ladies working dog group. So we are a group of women and, and groups of women are generally, we have that a maternal instinct, whether we have children or not is irrelevant. We have an instinct where we want to look after and we generally want the best. And it, it only takes two minutes to look at the Facebook groups or the forums to see how much we absolutely adore our dogs and how we would do anything for them. But as a result of that, and for those of us that have children that may feel the same, it can really almost set us back because that fear of if I get this wrong, that's it. I'm going to mess up my dog. Every, my dog's never going to be able to do that. And then I have failed. Not only have I failed as a person because I failed as a dog trainer or a dog handler, but not only that, I've now damaged my dog. And we know the reality is those little dogs have exactly the same concept of neuroplasticity as we do. So yes, all right, that, that retrieve may have not gone to plan. The dog might have absolutely run around the field parading a rabbit ball in his mouth, having the life, die of his life, thinking it's Christmas come early. But that's only going to lay down that one strand. And yes, that isn't a strand that's brilliant. And we know that in our dogs. But actually... It's about the majority of the strands that we lay down. That's what's important when we think about it from dog training. So just as we're trying to train our neuroplasticity and we're trying to like raise, um, put down the right pathways for us, it's the same for our dogs. We're both doing the same thing and we are both doing the best we can with what we've got. And when we talk about these strands and our mindset and these threads, the longer we continue to add threads, like you said, the rope is getting stronger. But right at the beginning, if it's only like a few strand, like the dog keeps on doing something wrong for a few weeks, it's not the end of the world, is it? No, and, and it's it, just the same way as you wouldn't have failed as a parent. You've not failed as a dog parent. It's not the end of the world. You know, we have to understand that do we do it with the best intention and the best will? Yes, then that is absolutely good enough. And I think that sometimes, and I know we could do a whole other podcast, and I'm sure we will at some point, around that idea of perfectionism, we will not get it perfect. And that is okay. Is what we are doing good enough 
by ourselves, by our dogs and within the skill set we have. Because it is so hard when we do see some fantastic trainers out there uh, training some amazing dogs. And there are hundreds of videos of the fantastic things we see those dogs do. And then we've kind of got our lumbering idiot in the garden that's not listening to us to think, I should be doing that. That should be me. And we, we kind of forget to take down and, and thinking of it from that strand point of view, the millions of strands in the years of dog training and the amount of time they've spent with those dogs to get that as a result compared to our much less strands as we are learning as we go. So we have to be kind to ourselves. And also, if you sat and talked to some of those really, really experienced trainers, they will tell you sometimes they've had to let things break, for want of a better word, in order to get the end result. So sometimes they will let things go wrong in one place to improve another place. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think I think that's a really lovely thing that we can apply to ourselves as humans as well is that there is this kind of concept that we should be able to have it all. And I fully agree with that, but it's unlikely that we're able to have it all at once in one go. You know, if we think about the 24 hours we have in a day and how we fill that up. So often I might, if I'm working with someone, I might say, right, give me a pie chart. You've got a hundred percent, right? What do you percentage wise, what do you spend your time doing? And we have so much pressure from, some, from society around, we need to get in our 10,000 steps. We also need to eat organic food. We also have to cook from scratch. We also have to homeschool our children. We also have to have an amazing gun dog that you know, can also do our washing for us. We also have to be the perfect partner. We also have to raise our children in the most perfect way possible and we can't put a foot wrong. And we also have to meditate. And we also, we don't, we run out of time. We run out of time. And so what happens is we put that pressure on ourselves that immense pressure that at some point we are failing rather than thinking, is what I'm doing good enough? You know, am I meeting my own needs? Am I genuinely meeting most of the needs of the other people around me? Then that is good enough. And when we talk about like all the sort of pressures that um, are put on us, as you were going through them then, um, even though I mute my side when somebody else is talking, I'm giggling to myself because I'm literally, I have lists sometimes of like, drink two litres, do this, do this, to try and remind myself of the things that I'm trying to do, even just like from a health perspective, what I try to do each day for my health. Is there ways we can look at lists like that, try to do all these things, but in a positive way? Can we have a positive outlook to those lists going right or going wrong, rather than these little sort of, I fail, I suck, I screwed up today ideas? Absolutely, absolutely. And what I what I often do, even with my clients when I work as a therapist, is I call it a walk, crawl, run chart. So depending on what's going on in your life and depending how you feel physically and emotionally and with your mental health, because that fluctuates as well, some days you'll wake up and you'll feel like you can take on the world. And that's a run day. And so, yeah, absolutely, you might be able to cook a meal from scratch and also do your yoga and also take the dogs out for a walk and have an amazing training session with them and listen to a podcast and do whatever else you need to do. And that's great if it's a run day, but what if it's a walk day? You know, what could you, what's a reasonable thing to achieve on a walk day? Actually, do I get some food on the way home from Tesco so I'm not cooking from scratch? Do I actually do some training, but it's gonna be indoors and I'm just gonna take them for a short walk? Is that reasonable for me to do with my dogs that day? You know, what expectations should I be setting on myself? And then most importantly, those days where we genuinely feel like we're crawling 
And that might be because we've had some bad news. That might be because our physical health is playing up. That might be because our mental health is more affected. That might be just because we're going through a really, really stressful point in our life. And actually, cruel is all we can do. So that might just be, do you know what? Are the dogs fed? Are they watered? Have I given them some entertainment? Have I given them some kind of enrichment and stimulation? Have I fed myself? Have I managed to wash myself? Have I done a tiny bit of house? Then that's all I can do today. So it's about understanding we cannot work at 100% every day. So if, if today is a run day, that's great. If today is a walk day, I need to change my expectations of myself on those days. And if that day is a cruel day, actually, what I need to do is look after myself. That needs to be my main focus. And it can be hard. Like I know for me, before my brain tumours, um, I was incredibly hard on myself work-wise. If I wasn't working, um, I've been brought up in a family with um, self-employed people. Who, my dad worked literally 20 hours a day. So I'd, he'd never said that I had to have that ethos, but I lived in that ethos. So if I wasn't working, what was I doing was my mindset. So after my operations and then I got um, brain fog where the days when I really, well, I can't even crawl, like sometimes not get out of bed. They were hard for me to be kind to myself enough to say, this is a day when the best I can do, like you just said, is potentially have a shower and watch TV. That is all I'm going to manage today. And I think people tend to be so hard on themselves that they don't allow for this balance, do they? No, absolutely not. And I think part of that is that society pressure that we place on ourselves. And again, again, there is this concept that women should be able to have it all. And, and I think that's great. And I'm not against that in any way, shape or form. And we should have opportunities to have it all. But that doesn't mean we can do it all. Um, and it puts a really, really unrealistic pressure on ourselves. So the bit that I would also say is, you know, what is your mindset when you talk to yourself? Is it one of kindness? Are you saying nice things? And if you don't know, almost say those things out loud and pretend you were saying that to your best friend. And if you are shocked with what you're saying to your best friend, you're probably not being very kind to yourself in any way, shape or form. So is there a way that you could reframe that? If your friend was in your situation, what would you say to them? You know, would you be telling them that they should be doing more or they should be working harder or they should be able to do what? It's chances are it's not that chances are you are going to be sitting there going you need to look after yourself and we are in a culture we are where we are so busy and our time is so few and far between that we forget about self-care self-care gets seen as a luxury and that's that's not the truth self-care has to be a necessity for us to survive in today's world and we often think self-care is you know a nice lavender bath and a gin and tonic or whatever else or going to a spa for a weekend and absolutely don't get me wrong those those things all sound absolutely lovely but we can't necessarily fit that in today's world every day of the week so we have to be really clear as to what is self-care and for everyone that is different you know for me self-care might be making sure that I go to bed at a reasonable time self-care might be taking myself out for a walk when I really don't want to um self-care might be uh, making sure that I have some, you know, nutritionally healthy food in the house rather than reaching for a takeaway every night. Um, Self-care might be right down to remembering to brush my teeth. Self-care might be a skincare routine. You know, self-care might be five minutes before bed listening to a meditation. So self-care doesn't have to be expensive. Self-care doesn't have to be really complex. 
but self-care has to be a priority for us to kind of manage the hectic lives that we have you you've touched on it there but if you think about it I was in some sort of like event once and they said write down all the labels you give yourself and it was like okay so I'm I'm a mum I'm a teacher I'm a business owner I'm a sister I'm you know uh, a, a daughter I'm all these things and when I wrote them down I was like most of these on their own are a full-time job let alone when I tried to push them all together and then be this person with all these kinds of labels so for people who are like listening to this and like actually everything that they say it makes sense I'm wearing all these labels I'm 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 not doing the things I want to do I'm being harsh on myself I really want to have this idea of a of a mindset that can cope and is positive and is growing all the time what tips do you have for them absolutely and that's where the growth mindset that that switch over to the growth mindset is so 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 key for us and it is changing our belief that actually intelligence can change um going back to that neuroplasticity new pathways new threads to those ropes can grow over time um and we do that by trying new things and that can be really really scary for a lot of us so it's about making sure that you've got support from somebody that you've got people that you can talk through those fears with it might be might be coming to the group we've got a fantastic group of women that are more than supportive um and having a safe place where you go i'm going to try this i'm going to try and give this a go understanding that mistakes are part of growth it doesn't mean you failed it just means you've learned something new and there is a lovely story and i remember reading about it many years ago and that it was about a dad and when his kids used to come home from school he used to say right how have you failed today and it wasn't so he could tell them off it was because he's like that means you tried something new that's fantastic and actually if we reframe that away from what have i succeeded at what did i try that didn't quite go to plan because do you know what i tried and that's absolutely fantastic because that's taken me out of that fixed mindset i have tried something new and whether that's trying something new with my health whether that's trying something new with my dog whether that's trying something new in looking after myself in a different way all of those things are really really key um so it's about being willing to take more risks and they don't have to be massive dramatic risks we're not asking people to change their lives you know and, and suddenly sell up their house and move away or anything like that it might be just about you know reaching out to somebody and asking for help it might be admitting to somebody do you know what i don't feel like i can do this all on my own i am struggling a little bit more it might be acknowledging that maybe i'm suffering from a little bit of imposter syndrome about something that i'm doing and i need to look at it a little bit more um so really really think about think about those things in a different way and again, when that little voice that creeps in, that all that little voice that we all have, when we get given an opportunity to where we go, I can't. And I can't is a word that I don't like the word can't. Um, because actually, I'm always like, okay, what's behind that? Because often the reality is, and we don't like saying this out loud, instead of saying I can't, try saying I'm choosing not to. Um, so let's say, for example, uh, someone's going for a working test. And they go, no, I can't do a working test with my dog. And I go, okay, hang on, stop. Why can't you? Well, I can. I'm choosing not to because I'm scared I'm not going to be very good. Or I'm scared that I'm going to do something wrong and everyone's going to laugh at me. Or I'm scared, okay, well, we can work on all of those things. It's not that you can't do it. It's right now the fear is too big. So what can we do to reduce the fear, which then means you're going to give it a go? So I would always say to people, do you know what? Instead of saying I can't, Say in your head, I'm choosing not to. It will make you feel really uncomfortable. No one likes saying that. 
but what comes out afterwards i'm choosing not to because well that bit you can look at and that bit you can do something about and that will change you back into kind of that growth mindset where that fear of failure it's not about failure you've just learned a new way of not doing something that's all so you haven't failed at it you've just gone well that hasn't worked what else can i do how can i adjust that so really really think about that i can't and i'm choosing not to to break down those barriers that we set ourselves up for we'll definitely have to talk more on a different podcast about like the words we use with ourselves and 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 the words we use with other people you know like i can always remember telling my mum she was like you didn't answer your phone i was like the phone is there for my convenience not yours as i said i thought that was a little bit harsh but but really i was trying to say I can't always answer the phone to everybody else. It's there to help me when I need the help, nor when, because um, literally my, my phone blows up all day, every day. If I don't like put it into um, airplane mode to stop all notifications, I really wouldn't, I wouldn't stop looking at it. So, but yeah, it's like how we say things to ourselves, how we, what we say and what we really mean, which I think is definitely a podcast in itself. Um, this podcast has been absolutely fantastic. For those who are society members, um, you have loads and loads of mindset support on your mindset section. Please go check it out. Every Monday is updated with new content, either from myself, from um, Louise, and definitely Emma will be joining us now. So that'll be absolutely fantastic. It really, really is key to helping you develop your skills with the dogs. We wouldn't be putting as much time and attention into it if we didn't think it would be valuable to think about what you're thinking to help you improve, to help your skills speed up in their development. And we know we can do that with you. Emma, thank you very much for a fantastic first podcast. If people are looking for you, want to talk to you, where can they find you? Uh, so they can find me um, on the Ladies Working Dog Group. They're more than happy to message me on there. Um, if you do want to find me on Instagram, I don't have a business account on Instagram, uh, but you can find me as a, a classic country lady. So if you want to send me a message and say hi, you are more than welcome to. Fantastic. Thank you very much for your information. Thank you for being there for us. Thank you for joining us as a mindset coach. Um, I'm really looking forward to doing stuff with you really, really regularly. For those of you who have listened and enjoyed, please send us a comment. Please put up a post, anything, hashtag LWDG Poddog. We love hearing what you think about our podcast. That's all for this week, and we look forward to speaking to you all next week. Thank you for listening to LWDG Poddog with me, Joe Parrott. Now, we all know training a dog takes time, energy, and patience, but our lives can be really, really busy. Don't worry, the LWDG has got you covered. Join us for our free planning workshop where we'll show you how to use short 10 minute training sessions each day to fast forward your dog's education. Our experts have years of experience in training dogs and will help you get started on the right foot. Register now and start making progress with your furry friend today. Go to our Facebook page, the Ladies Working Dog Group and click on the pinned post or visit www.thelwdg.com.